Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This week on WealthTrack, five-star fund manager Michael Testorf of Clearbridge International Growth Fund makes the contrarian case for investing overseas. He's next on Consuelo Mack WealthTrack. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Clearbridge Investments, a Leg Mason company, Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective. Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences, and the Fairholme Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. The U.S. economy is on a roll, as is the U.S. stock market, while much of the rest of the world is lagging and in some cases stalling. That has essentially been the pattern since the financial crisis erupted a decade ago. A chart of market behavior provides some dramatic proof. Both the S&P 500 and the benchmark MSCI All-Country World XUS Index suffered roughly 60% declines in the throes of the financial crisis between late 2007 and early 2009 when they both bottomed. They then recovered together, corrected almost in lockstep in 2010 and 2011, but diverged from then on, with the U.S. market pulling away and accelerating dramatically even after a serious correction around 2015. If you are a value-oriented investor, this recent divergence is reason enough to start looking for opportunities internationally. And if you take a longer-term view, there are bigger macro considerations illustrated by a couple of pie charts. The U.S. economy comprises about 22% of the world's gross domestic product. Europe and the U.K. is about 22%, Japan 6% and emerging markets, including China, an estimated 38%. This economic distribution is not represented in stock market values, far from it. The U.S. dominates world stock market valuations, accounting for 53% of the total. Europe and the U.K. are 16% and 5% respectively. Japan is 7%, and emerging markets a mere 11%. Now, there are any number of reasons for these large discrepancies in market size stage of development, liquidity, rule of law, or lack thereof, shareholder rights, and currency volatility, to name a few. One thing is clear. U.S. investors' exposure to foreign stocks is still disproportionately low at an estimated 15% of stock portfolios. So this week, we decided to explore some overseas opportunities with a top-ranked global fund manager who is new to WealthTrack. He is Michael Testorf, Portfolio Manager on the Global Growth Equity Investment Team at Clearbridge Investments and Co-Portfolio Manager of numerous global and international growth strategies there, including the Clearbridge International Growth Fund. The fund is rated five-star by Morningstar and is ranked in the top 3% of its category for the last five years, beating both its benchmark and category by substantial margins. 
Since Testorf is new to WealthTrack, I asked him what growth means at ClearBridge. Growth at, um, at ClearBridge is probably defined a little bit differently than in a lot of other shops. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, we are growth investors. We are investing in quality stocks. We cover the entire range of market caps. So we look at small and mid caps, but we look at the mega caps as well. We do have a valuation approach to growth. So what, what I mean with that is we don't want to overpay for growth because the fall of growth managers normally happens if you pay a lot in terms of multiples for a growth company, it could be disappointing. And what happens, you have a derating, and that is where you have bad performance in for growth managers. Mm -hmm. So, and also the other, what is different with us compared to a lot of other growth managers, the way how we look at growth and how we define growth. So we, we have three buckets of growth um, that is very similar to a life cycle of a company. So bucket number one is emerging. Number two is secular. Number three is structural. So I'll give okay. you an idea what we mean by emerging. Right. That's what most of the people think about growth companies. These are fast-growing companies. They're normally small. They have a large addressable market. They're innovative. They're disruptive. But most of the time, they're not really creating a lot of earnings or cash flows. And so, so it is, is emerging, are they young companies? They're young companies, All right. exactly. And they're, is that where the, it would skew to a smaller company? Then? Normally, they are smaller. They All can right. also become a, bit, a little bit bigger, but they are still continue to grow very, very fast mm -hmm. because the addressable market is very big. So I give you an idea of what that could be. Right. So we, we added a company which is called Shopify mm -hmm. uh, recently in the portfolio, actually a few months back. But it's a company, if you had a great product, Consuelo, and you have no idea how can I bring it to the market, Shopify is the one-stop solution for you. So it will basically give you the idea from the front end. It will develop the web store for you. They even uh, uh, say you can do it in 15 minutes, the front side. Right. But it does also the back. So meaning it does the inventory management. It will help you for billing. It will help you for, for payments. It will help you for sending the merchandise. And most important, it will also help you to get you in front of potential clients via social media. So what this thing does, it gives you the one-stop solution. So in, but, but via mm -hmm. uh, the software, right? So you're, exactly. you're answering all it's, these questions on the Shopify it's website. It's all cloud-based. Yeah. But so, it, mm -hmm. in the fund, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you, it's 50 mm -hmm. or 60 holdings, so it's fairly concentrated, right? It's normally very, yeah, it is very concentrated. So, so, these, so an emerging but, company is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do, how do you figure right. that one out? What we do in terms of minimizing the risk is we give them smaller positions. Mm -hmm. And then they grow with the upset. Right. So that's how we do the risk mitigating. So oh. emerging, the emerging growth is one. The next one is the secular growth bucket. Right which is more than half of our entire portfolio. Emerging can go up to 20 in our, in our guidelines, and secular is up to 60, in our case, at 50 plus right now. So, so secular mm -hmm. to most of us yeah. means that, it's, that, that there is, it's, a, it's a trend mm -hmm. that's gonna last regardless of yeah. what happens in the economy right. and that's right. politics, that's right. whatever. Yes. Okay. So what happens, they're a little bit further in the life cycle than the emerging companies. Right. These are companies which are established. I mean, they have a good business model, they have great management, and they have good cash flows already. So and why, why we like these companies in particular, so, what, when they're a little bit more 
or they're less risky. Mm -hmm. Risky in the sense they have less volatility in, earn, in terms of earnings growth. And it takes also a risk out if you come in a downturn. What happens in the downturn, and you are still good, a good cash flow producer, is in a downturn, the company can either give you dividends, can buy back shares on very low levels, or can start with M&A. So if you have good management, they make the right decision. And in an upswing again, these kind of companies are the ones which are coming out first. The most important is to remember about it is, is the compounding effect. So if you, have, if you have these compounders, and let's assume it's pure math what I'm doing right now. If you have 15% growth per annum, you do that over five years, you doubled your money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the compounding effect is the one which most people do forget about it. And, and so, so give us an example of a, of a secular company. It sounds a little bit boring, what I'm telling you now, but Rentacil is a pest control company. And it's one of these compounders generating high cash flows. And the drivers of pest control overall is global warming. You know, mm -hmm. these unwanted house guests right. in global warming, they're just getting bigger, and there are more of them in global right. warming. But regulation... Um, particular for hospitals and restaurants. Urbanization are drivers for that. Um, what does Rentacle really, really well is, um, besides having these growth drivers, is having tons of acquisitions. These are normally very, very small acquisitions. Mom and pop shops, mm -hmm. which get integrated on the Rentacle platform, and then they get earnings accretive in year one or year two. And so Rentacule is based in the UK. In the UK, but it's as, global. Right? It's global. They have forty percent of earnings or business here in the United States. Mm -hmm. The rest is a little bit Europe and emerging markets. And how did you mm -hmm. identify? How is it, it, yeah. who, how mm -hmm. is an Rentacule identified? So Rentacule. Screen. Rentacule was a combination of two things. A, it showed up very well in our model too, in mm -hmm. our quant model. But secondly, I met management twice, and uh, the CEO was. Phenomenal. Okay. So the structural, what's the... So that's structural is probably the one which sets us most apart from everybody else because these are companies which are even further in the life cycle. So they're normally already mature. Mm -hmm. But why do we like them? Because all of the companies which we have in this structural bucket do have a step function of profitability or of earnings. And it's something so, because something is going to make them improve? Or exactly. Are, are they yeah. like fallen angels? Are they, I mean, well, what would you... I would not necessarily, normally these are already decent businesses, uh -huh. but there could something happen. For example, uh, restructuring, a new CEO, uh, M&A, uh, regulation, cyclical upswing, whatever. I mean, you can come up with several reasons. Right. And... Perhaps it's easiest if I explain one. So we, our biggest position in the portfolio is Shiseido. Yes. Um, the, the, the Japanese cosmetic exactly, company. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So which is super successful in Asia because the drivers there, Asian women love skincare mm -hmm. and spend a lot of money on that. Mm -hmm. This company was definitely undermanaged for a long period of time. And with a new CEO coming in in 2014, these things have changed. So they were cost-cutting concentrating on, on important lines, making them more profitable, changing some of the managers, and Japan today is super profitable. Mm -hmm. Next lack for this kind of development for Shiseido is that the international markets, where they're also active in, right. will be as profitable as Japan. 
It's a big company already. It's 30 billion in terms of market cap. Clearbridge has a history of, of doing uh, ESG screening on companies as well. It's just a, it's part, mm-hmm. it's been part of the Clearbridge business yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, so how does that um, aspect come in as far as looking at, you mm-hmm. know, environmental, social, governance yeah. uh, concerns when you're looking at mm-hmm. international growth companies right. and candidates? Right. So yeah, you're right. Clearbridge um, is very big in ESG. Everybody mm-hmm. has bought into it and believes in ESG. And uh, it is part of our fundamental research. Right. I, I personally am a believer that ESG could actually reduce risk in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Environmental, most of the people do understand, you know, global warming, it's good to do for the, for the environment. But also many of the ESG, uh, of the environmental investments could lead to higher profitability. Mm-hmm. You have a more upfront cost, but later on you get the profits out of it. On the S, on the social side, I just give you one example where it's also where it could be actually profitable. Today the labor market is very tight. You want to retain your 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 workers. Yes. So how do you do that best? I mean communicating with them. Show them what are the opportunities in the company. And if you retain and have these kind of no, paths for everybody and, and right. benefits and so on. Sure. Yeah exactly. So higher retention means lower costs of hiring new people. And if, if you lead them correctly, they might be more productive. So actually, it could be earnings enhancing. Mm-hmm. Why should we be looking as U.S. investors at international markets now mm-hmm. when things have been going so well in the U.S.? And yeah. certainly since the financial mm-hmm. crisis, the U.S. has outperformed mm-hmm. in both the economy mm-hmm. and, um, and also in the markets. Yeah. Yes, um, that is a very good question. I, I, I would perhaps start with a longer term view. Mm-hmm. Because right now, if you look at what the benchmark is consisted of, we have the US making roughly 54% of MSCI Acqui World. Right. And the rest of the is market inter- capitalization. The, right. The rest is international. Yeah. So now I look at GDP. So in terms of GDP, the US is roughly. 24%. So that's our contribution to world GDP. That's correct. Basically, you are, we in the U.S. are overrepresented two times. Right. So emerging markets are on the other end of the focus. There are like 40% of the GDP get 11 or 12% of the whole acqui allocation. Mm-hmm. So they're underrepresented by three times. And if you go to China, it becomes even more obvious because China, being number two in the world in terms of GDP, making roughly 15% getting 3% in the acqui, so the factor is 5. I'm not saying that is the right measure to yes. look at, right? It gives you only the idea that emerging markets are growing faster than developed nations. And secondly, the penetration or market cap per GDP in emerging market will grow as well. And India, nobody talks about it, but PricewaterhouseCoopers thinks 2050, same size as U.S. So the trend is clearly in terms of growth, in the emerging markets, and it will also be reflected in, in uh, overall market capitalization. Right. But the, but the mm. maturity mm. of the capital markets, their legal systems, yeah. um, you know, their uh, you were talking about shareholder mm. friendliness, yes. uh, their governance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're yeah. in many of those markets. They're way behind, mm. certainly in the emerging markets, yeah. the U.S. Absolutely. And so that's a mm-hmm. factor, no yes, question yes. about it. Without any doubt. Yeah. China probably the best example because MSCI didn't want to include a lot of mainland Chinese companies. Right. Wanted to include only the Hong Kong based ones. 
So we have the first little inclusion, which happened uh, just a little bit earlier, and when the next one, next little sliver will come. But overall, with opening up of the Chinese uh, financial system, you know, the whole governance issue will be reviewed, and ultimately it will lead to better, better standards, and then right. therefore also to higher market capital. In, in the fund, mm -hmm. you own Tencent and Alibaba, right? We, and we own Tencent, we do own Alibaba, right. and we own also a Chinese uh, mainland insurance company, which is called Penang. That's and the right. reason that you do, is, is that the way you're playing China? I mean, those are, those are the yeah. largest... Yes, these are yes, these are among the largest. These companies. are the largest. Uh, and, and and where would they fit into the structural sector emerging? Are they <laughs> so so uh, most of them would be actually although they are very very big market cap. We have Alibaba, for example, yeah. still under emerging because you still have um, very little dividend. You have a PE already for quite some time, but you are still growing fast. Are there any uh, themes that are emerging it, from the bottom? Mm -hmm. For instance, mm -hmm. that you look at the portfolio and you say, oh my goodness, yeah. we have more X type, mm -hmm. you know, energy companies yes. right now or whatever. Yeah, so we have, so finding if, if you talk about themes, right? I mean, we had, we had one theme which we worked on very, very intensively, which was the electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, we started to write a white paper in 2016 and the thesis out of the whole paper was that we are we are very bullish in terms of adoption mm -hmm. of the electric vehicle in the world. So innovation, disruption, yes. electric vehicle, it's yes. going to be global. Exactly. Right. So we love to talk about disruption. Yeah. And that's the reason why we wrote also the white paper. So now in 2018, go forward a little bit, uh, we were the big bull on that kind of subject. Um, we were too conservative. It will go faster than everybody thinks. So is it panning mm -hmm. out yet mm -hmm. as an invest investable so, area? Good. So this is uh, the next question mark. How do I make money out yes. of it, right? Because, because if, you, if I look at the advantages of an electric vehicle, it's, I think most of us will agree by now that the electric vehicle is superior to the combustion engine. Right. I hate uh, to say it, but yes. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. So we want to... Will be. It, I'm not sure it is yet. Um, I think it's we're, we're the already there. Issue. The okay. battery the battery has a certain reach. I mean, Tesla yes. has come out already with whatever, 300 miles. You know, if you knew, if you see the new Porsche coming out, which looks very similar, I mean, in the same category as the Tesla S, looks phenomenal. Mm -hmm, I'm sure it a does. Similar range. Um, fantastic stats. We don't know all of them, but they probably will beat what people were thinking so far. Right. So they're superior. So how do I how do I make money out of that? That's the next question mark, right? Right. How do I make so, enough money investing mm, in it to buy the new yeah. Porsche? But it's also investing investing smartly. But but I think the most important is there are two ways of looking the whole thing. It's the avoid and the invest. There are two yeah. parts of the coin, right? Let's start with the avoid because the avoid has panned out already. So in by coming up with the electric vehicle um, and the diesel scandal at the same time, it was very, very negative for the overall traditional car producers. Right. What happens? Uh, their existing technology, meaning the combustion engine, either gasoline or diesel, would be obsolete at one point mm -hmm. in time. Whatever you put in there as a kind of investment would be worth zero. And, and how point fast in time. are you projecting that that's yeah. going to be Look, 20 years? Uh, so right now, you reach that critical, mm -hmm. that tipping yeah. point. Yeah. The, the tipping point depends on two things. One, 
as, first of all, we are, we, I mean, regulation could be one. I mean, if you're not allowed to go into city centers without an electric vehicle, your combustion or diesel engine is not allowed to go anymore, people will think about, mm, okay, I probably have to make a switch, right? right? It will also depend on how fast the charging stations are installed. Yes. Right? I mean, because you have range anxiety for right now still. Yeah. But if charging goes very, very quickly and you just make your stop on the highway and drink a coffee and you're done with charging 50 or 80 percent, that changes the equation totally. So having said that, we are right now on course for 2 percent penetration of electric vehicles, including plug-in already. Uh, somewhere in 2018, we might... In the, the U.S.? No, globally. Globally. Yeah, China would be a big part of it. Right. Um, and the other decisive moment will be when the battery costs are coming down. Battery cost, kilowatt or U.S. dollar per kilowatt hour. Just to give you an idea, 2010 was $1,000. Per kilowatt hour, hour exactly. that you had to spend on an electric yes, vehicle. Right. So in 2014, we were at 540, around 540. 2017, we were down to 209. Wow. Elon Musk talks about 2020, it's 100. And that means when we are, once we reach the 100 level, it will be also the mass participating in electric yeah. vehicles. Where is ClearBridge focusing? Yeah. So we, we, we were focusing on the value chain of the electric vehicle. So it starts at the battery. So we had invested in, um, in the biggest lithium producer in the world, which is called SQM. Mm -hmm. We have made investments in the cathode producer and leading in terms of technology is a company which is called Umicore, which is located in Belgium. Mm -hmm. And we have one or two smaller German companies uh, which are more producing machines, one doing the spinning of the copper for the electric engine and the order books are full. So as we wrap up this interview, if there's one investment that we should all have today in a long-term diversified portfolio, what would yeah. you recommend we all own? So if I could get, give, give a few recommendations, if I may. Um, one is um, 2019 resolution, do a test drive in an electric vehicle, please. Number two would be, um, I do believe in diversification. And uh, so think about international, perhaps an international fund manager next to some U.S. fund managers. I, I was thinking about a name which is easily available in the U.S., um, trades uh, in the U.S., and it's called Alibaba. It's Alibaba. a stock which we have. It's a name which you probably know already, mm -hmm. uh, which started... So that's the ADR? Is that right? Yeah, that, that is a record listing. The, that's the, the regular listing, listing is, is Alibaba. The US. Exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's a mixture... Or let's start, it's a company which started as a technology company developing a marketplace from B2B, B2C, C2C, and has already established 500 million users. There are 800 million users of internet services overall in China. 500 are using already Alibaba. So it's a huge amount of number. But besides this kind of marketplace, they have developed an entire ecosystem around it. So think about it, digital services, Netflix, that's Alibaba. Think about payment system. Alipay mm -hmm. is widely accepted, of course, in China, but even outside of China by now. Think about Uber. They have the similar thing, investment in China. Think about um, restaurant services and delivery service. That is also what Alibaba is today. 
So basically cross-selling on the platform with the original 500 million users. And then on top of it, it will happen that you go international, um, which, is still, which is still going to happen in a bigger size. So from that perspective, 2018 was not the best year. We had just numbers, you know, all the kind of new initiatives, uh, margin, a little bit margin dilutive. But once everything is on stream, margins will move up again and you have the benefit of a big, big, big internet company participating in the ecosystem in China, which should grow. All right, fascinating. Thank you so Good. much, Michael Tester. Thank for you so much. Joining us on Wealth Track yes. for the first time. Thank, Thank you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is review your international stock exposure and consider making some modest additions. International markets overall have lagged the U.S. and they are getting cheaper. Under pressure from rising U.S. interest rates, a strengthening dollar, and escalating trade tensions. Emerging markets in particular have gotten battered with some markets such as Hong Kong's benchmark Hang Seng Index falling into bear market territory. It's when others are fleeing that the best values are found. Some bargain hunting might be in order. Next week, top-ranked investment strategist and money manager Rich Bernstein predicted the U.S. bull market from the start. What does he think a decade later? We'll find out. This week, in our exclusive extra feature on WealthTruck.com, Michael Testorf shares his favorite de-stressing technique, Prepare to get physical. Please feel free to share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.